0: shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so tonight, Be'ezrus Hashem, we're going to be continuing with our series of teachings on the teachings of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov. This week, we're going to be discussing the 24th Torah in the first volume of L'Quit HaMaharan. The Torah is technically referred to as Emsiyu Alma, the middle of the world, the center of the world, the center point that holds everything together. But before we go into the Torah itself, <coughs> another Torah that fills all worlds and surrounds all worlds. And that if only for the hour or a little bit less that we have to try and make a slight entry into this Torah, into Torah Haftal, that it's the Alma. But Rabbi Nassim, amongst the many gifts that he has offered us, has also offered on particular Torahs very specific biographical details as to how this Torah came into the world. Rabbi Nachman writes in the beginning of Chaim Aran, not in the beginning, in the beginning of talking about his Torah, in the chilek of gadluso v'norasso shel Torah, speaks about if a person were zoichet to know the niguin and the rikud of a Torah, if a person had the slis to understand the nigun associated with the Torah and the dance associated with the Torah, so then a person would be able to be Machayim and the Meforshim of Breslev don't speak about a, a Tchias that is part of the eschatological advent of the Messianic Age, but rather Tchias Amesim bezeha olam. My Rebbe Rav Moshe Weinberger lost his father, Zeicher Tzaddik Lebracha this week, and he said in his Haspid, a very powerful Haspid, that there's two bechinos in Tchias There's the Tchias that stands to be revealed in the future. When kola neshama Takalka, that every neshama, every individual who came into this world will have the ability to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu again. And then there's the t'riyasamesim that arrives in this world itself. The t'riyasamesim when a person moves from katnus into godless, from constricted mindset into an expansive mindset, from limitation into expansivity, from darkness into light, from yeyush into hope. That is in and of itself a Bechina, a Tam of T'chiyas HaMeisim. Mechaim mesim Atta Rav Shia. We say every day that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Mechaim mesim now. We taught in the Shirom on the Leshem Shuvah vachaloma, and following the footsteps of his Rebbe Rav Kook, rather, flip it around, Rav Kook spoke in the lushan of his Rebbe, the Leshem. that T'chiyas HaMeisim is not simply a Yeyud, some future destination that takes place at the end of time. But it's something that is taking place perpetually at every single moment, when a person moves out of hopelessness into hope, out of darkness into light. There's a b'chinen of tchiyas ha-mesim. So when Rabbi Nachman says, if we can truly understand the context of the Torah, if we could understand where the Torah comes from, each and every individual teaching in the Kutamaran, a person can taste the tam of tchiyas ha-mesim. And one of the elements that Rabbi Nelson has offered us in this regard is to give us a little bit of the historical background behind certain Torahs. Now sometimes it's clear what the connection is between the historical events. We saw this in Torah Hey. We didn't see it so much by Torah Yud Tess. By Torah Yud Tess we connected it to shvuas But in Torah Haftalud there's a unique expression of the biographical context that shapes the Torah. And it's my humble opinion that not only does the context, the historical context of this Torah, give birth to a deeper understanding, but I think that one of the statements that Rabbi Nassim records in the name of Rabbi Nachman regarding this Torah, regarding the giving over of Torah Haftalad, that touches the heart of what the Torah is coming to teach. Again, based on the Klalem, the 18 principles of Rav Avram ben Rav Nachman as to how to approach the Sefer Lukut HaMahran, each and every Torah is a self-enclosed environment to the extent that even the derech in which it was given over contains the same secrets of the teaching itself, so that the process and the goal both reflect one another. Or in the spirit of two which we're moving away from yet still holding on to, that there's a promise that lasid Lavo, the bark of the tree, will return back to its primordial state where it maintained the taste of the fruit. And as Rav Kook said, that is the Radziner Tzadikim say, and as Rabbi Nassen writes, Befei and Likutei alachos as well, that the bark of the tree represents the process, a way in which something is given over. The fruit of the tree represents the content giving over. The ideal state of things is when the bark itself tastes like the fruit, when a person can already taste in the process the light of the gold. And I find that this is applicable to this Torah in particular. In Chaim Haran Osvav so Rabbi is recording the derech in which the 17th Torah, the 16th Torah of Lukut was given over, Rabbi Yochanan Mishdai. And he writes that this Torah was given over in the year 1802, and it was said on Shacharis by Shabbos, in the middle of the summer of Tufkuf Tzadik Gimel, Tafkuf Tzadik Gimel, in 1802, I'm sorry, Tafkuf Tzadik Gimel, 1802. And Rabbi Nassim writes as follows, he says, elav pitom Shabbos. Rabbi Nachman had very specific times, five times a year where the Hasidim were meant to come and visit, where it was expected that they would be visiting. And Rabbi Nassim describes here that in the middle of the summer, the Hasidim surprised Rabbi Nachman. Pitoom, suddenly, appearing onto the scene without preparation. Azman klal. Because at that point, it was not a time that Rabbi Nachman Really wanted to see his Hasidim. As it's expressed elsewhere, that the essential times that the Kihilah would gather were based on six times a year that Rabbi Nachman had decided. And in the beginning, when the Hasidim surprised Rabbi Nachman, he was upset a little bit. He was holding them accountable for surprising him, for shifting the order when we're dealing with the tzaddikah adoros, when we're talking about Rabbi Nachman, the times that he decided are essential. They're not happenstance. They're not accidental. When Rabbi Nachman said, you're making Shabbasim for yourself. You're not really following the path of what it means to have a tzaddik." Because Rabbi Nachman himself has decided which shabbosim we should come. And now we've come and made for ourselves a Shabbos to gather together, surprisingly. And afterwards, Rabbi Nachman says as follows. Rabbi Nelson writes in the name of Rabbi Nachman, I wanted the Shabbos to spend time being mamtik Dinim. I wanted to rectify the Gezeros that were taking place for Kla Yisrael. I wanted to fix certain Inyanim that were broken. I wanted to bring comfort in a place of pain. That he wanted to deal with particular dinim, particular gurus, particular harsh realities that were descending into the world. nafsho, each and every individual understands what gezeros are and the klal understands what gezeros are. And Rabbi Nachman says that I wanted to spend the Shabbos really being Mavatal these dinim. Rabbi Nachman continues, and at this point, it becomes hopeful, he says, but when I'm on my own, when my words are alone without people to listen to them, what good can I do? Ki ish pashut. Because I, on my own, I'm a simple individual. I'm a simple person. It's very important to understand this concept when it comes to Rabbi Nachman, who's so famous for his hispa'arus, for the self-aggrandizement kavyachol the praise that he offered to himself. Anybody wants to understand the secret of the praise that Rabbi Nachman praised himself with, which sometimes rubs individuals the wrong way, say, how can you have a tzaddik who speaks so highly of themselves? This was one of the questions that I asked Rav Kramer, I asked Gidolei HaMashbiyim, before I even knew who Rabbi Nachman was. One of the problems that many people experience when they're entering into the world of Rabbi Nachman is when they encounter statements like, Ani Nahar Mikolak Tamim. I am a river that purifies from all stains. Or chidush kamoni lo hayam Or a novelty like me has not taken place in the history of the world. Or ani ish pela, I'm a wondrous individual. A person sees this and they say, how could it be? How could a tzaddik speak this way? When a person looks at the last word, at the last teaching in the second volume of Lakut Maran, when Rabbi Nachman discusses the godless of saying to Hillim, he explains over there exactly what we need to understand. Rabbi Nachman was not only talking about himself. Rabbi Nachman was teaching each and every one of us that it's okay to feel good about ourselves. It's, all, it's okay to speak strongly about ourselves. That when Rabbi Nachman says, Chidush Kamoni Lohaya Me'olam, he means that each and every one of us also, on a small b'china, have to say, Chidush Kamoni Lohaya As Rav Kluger points out so often, that there's never been a novelty like me. Not Rabbi Nachman, me. Each and every one of us in our own individualized way, like we saw in Teirah that each and every person has to say, kol lo nivra And if the world is created for me, t'sarich ani b'chisaron ha'olam. I need to pay attention to the lack in the world, the destruction in the world. b'avuram, to, to, to daven for them and to elevate them. Only a person who believes in the power of each and every individual can speak so powerfully about himself. But alone, Rabbi Nachman says, I'm a simple man, and that's only Alpi pi pashtus. Rabbi Nachman was not a simple person, obviously. Al Therefore, Rabbi Nachman says, I couldn't do this alone. So therefore, suddenly you guys have descended upon me so that I can teach this Torah. So that I can perform what I must perform. And that night, Balel Shabbos, Torah That Friday night that he was surprised by his chassidim, he taught the teaching of where is the center of the world. Where he discusses the nine chambers, the nine hechalos that are not known, that are not touched, that cannot be perceived, which we're going to discuss. Then when you look in Chaim Aharon and Osiyud Chas in the 18th Nakuda in Chaim Aharon, Rabbi Nassim lets us in on an even deeper secret. With regards to this Torah of Torah Chafdalid, Rabbi Nassim writes as follows: "Maimar the teaching, the center of the world, Simen Chafdalid. namar Amar Tufkuf Tavkuf Samich Gimel, eighteen o two, Besudas Lel Shabbos. The Amar also Biira Gedola, and Rabbi Nachman taught this teaching with an intense awe, an intense fear." With a deep intensity, to such an extent Ad hashomim lahavin klal mahu omer, to the point that the Chassidim who came and surprised Rabbi Nachman, like we saw in Osvav, they couldn't understand what their Rebbe was saying. They heard the words, they saw him speaking, they saw the face of the tzaddik, like we saw in Torah Yud Tess. But they couldn't understand it all. Afterwards, Rabbi Nachman did us the great chesed of writing it down for us, and that's how we have this Torah. And what's surprising is that for a Torah that cannot be understood, Rabbi Nasan makes a big asak out of this Torah. Rabbi stresses in Lekute Alachos, Hilchos Birchos Hodaya what we're going to be basing a lot of our Torah on, before even beginning to discuss this Torah, he states that it is imperative upon each and every one of us to understand that no matter how lofty the ideals expressed in this Torah are, no matter how profoundly Kabbalistic they are in their source, nevertheless, each and every Jew, each and every person with a Jewish heartbeat in their bodies needs to believe deeply, Ad Mesiros Nefesh, that this Torah applies to them in and where they exist at that moment. That yes, this is a lofty Torah, a Torah that was so high that nobody understood what the tzaddik was saying. Nevertheless, this is a Torah that must be understood on an existential level in each and every individual's situatedness in their life. And with that, we're going to begin trying to understand my humble opinion, my humble reading, my humble understanding of what Rabbi Nachman of Bresla, Rabbi Nachman bin Fega, is coming to teach us in the 24th teaching of Likuta Aran, that teaching that was given over on that strange night in 1802 in the middle of the summer when the Hasidim happened upon their Rebbe, when they surprised him, where they threw him into a state of chaos, where they forced him to express what was in his heart at that moment, HaKana, which in turn was also an attempt of Rabbi Nachman to fix the judgments in the world, to rectify the brokenness in the world. Rabbi Nachman begins this Torah with the Gemara in Bechayur Yistav Ches one of the discussions of Sabbath Be'a Sunnah, the Tanayim and their confrontations with the Greek philosophers of the time. And the way the Gemara describes these discussions are that the Greeks were attempting to disparage or disprove certain truths or certain concepts or certain motifs within the Torah. And the Chazal, in their infinite wisdom, garb these ideas in riddles and in agarata that contain the secrets of secrets, as the Vilnagon points out. Of the Chalik of Torah that's hidden in the belly of the snake. The Chalik of Torah that has the most chal on it, that exists in the depths of the belly of the snake. That vav of gichon, the middle leather of the Torah, which Chazal tells us are the large vav of gichon of all those animals that slither on their stomachs implying the profoundly paradoxical concept that when a person comes to the center of the Torah where they find themselves is in the belly of the snake. Like the Rashash says in his Perush in Nahar Shalom, on the Bracha of Malbisha Rumim, Ravit Morgenstern Shlita. Ravit Shemayah, Ravit Morgenstern Shlita teaches us over and over again that this concept the Rashash brings down that Olam Hazah is found in the Betten of the Nachash that this world that we exist in based on the Hishtal Shalasar we can perceive it as existing within the belly of the primordial serpent. Which makes a lot of sense when you think about what's going on in the world in 2020 and what was going on in the world in 1802 as well by Rabbi Nachman. And these Gemaras are discussing the conversations through Agarita between the Rabbinic mind and between the Greek mind. And the Greeks approach... The Greeks approach the Tanaim and they say, "Amrule, emsiusa da almeicha, where is the center of the world? Where is the center of the world? Where is that nukuda? Where is that point that holds everything together? Where can a person find the promise that the world has a center that anchors it, the essence that we spoke about in Toriyotess? Where is it? Zakvala etsbasa the Tana." points his finger upwards. Lahu, and he responds to them, Hacha, it's right here. As the Zohar says, ba'ati dai. Had I not come to teach this, it would have been enough. Where is the center of the world? Here, wherever I am. Wherever I am in this moment, that is where the center of the world is. Hacha, it's here. The Tana points and he says, it's right here. Amru they said to him, Mi Amar. Who will come and prove this? Amar, the Tana responds, Ashlu bring a measuring stick and measure it. This Agarita, this Gemara, is what Rabbi Nachman is going to base his teaching on. Now Rabbi Nachman begins by stating outright, Da that you should know that there is an infinite light that is loftier than our human capacity to grasp. Something that should be abundantly clear by now for anyone who listened to the shirim on the Leshem, on Rav Kook, on Rav Itchema, on Morgenstern, on Shlita, on Ishbitz and Radzin, even on addiction. That there's a light, there's a presence in the world, the Kaddish Baruch infinite presence the light of the infinite, the expression that HaKadosh Baruch Hu revealed in order to create the world, that is above our capacity to grasp. It is above the three gradations of the spirit, the mind, the body, and the soul, the nefesh, the ruach, and the neshama. Meaning to say that it is not something that we can grasp. It is not something that we can ever claim that we have in our hands. But rather it is always something that we're yearning towards, always something that we're forced to believe in as opposed to know. Because knowledge implies a certain seizure. Knowledge implies a certain grasp of something. What Rabbi Nachman is setting us up for right here, is stating that you should know. Da. Sadiqim say that Rabbi Nachman teaches the Torah of Da, something that happens very often in Lukit It's a Torah that comes from a place of Atik. It's a Torah that comes from the highest level. But I think that there's another way to understand this as well, and it's not a contradiction. When Rabbi Nachman says Da, you should know, he begins the Torah with you should know. He's stating that you might never find an external proof to this Torah. You may never find any rational reason to believe in a Torah like this. But da, understand that intuitively, when you strip away the layers of excess that cover over the soul, you will come to find that you know this idea intuitively as well as you know your own heart that Da means that while you might not find external support for this idea in your life, you may not find external reasons to trust in such an idea. Nevertheless, Da, you should know from the depths of your being that this is true. And that your inner certitude that these teachings are true is enough to provide the individual with comfort. Rabbi Nachman says, Da, you should know that there's a light that is above our capacity to ever grasp. And then Rabbi Nachman comes along and he says something incredible. Something incredible, he says as follows. And this is not unique for the tzaddikim, but it's unique to find it expressed in such a poignant way. And furthermore, as we're going to see, it's unique to apply this to the lived experience of each and every individual as they find themselves in the mud. People speak about these ideas in the world of Atzilus. But very few tzaddikim talk about the ability to attach themselves to these ideas when they find themselves rolling around in the muck and the mud of Oilem Ha'asiyah, in the lowest imaginable place. That's what Rabin Achman comes to do. Rabin Achman says that even though this light is loftier than our capacity to ever truly understand, Afal Pikain, that phrase that we've spoken about already, Afal Pikain nevertheless, de It's the nature of the mind to chase after it, to run after it, to be roidef after it, to run after it with all of its essence, with all of its life. And by running after this light, this grasp, this idea that you can never grasp because it's above you, then the mind comes to grasp it. A paradox. It's a light that can't be grasped. But if you run after it strong enough, you'll be able to grasp it. So how do you settle the paradox? On the one hand, it's an ungraspable light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. On the other hand, if you chase strongly enough against it, or after it, you might be zoichet to feel it. So Rabbi Nachman says, you will be zoichet to it bebechinas mati mati. You will touch it and not touch it. Now, Bechinas, Mati V'lo Mati is a Lashon from the Zohar, which has then become a fundamental law in the ontology of existence through the writings of the Arizal and his student of Chaim Vital. Then in Eitzchayim Kadisha, there's Shar Mati V'lo Mati, describing the secrets of reality. In Eitzchayim, in Shar Ha'Ekudim, the Arizal describes at length the nature of this type of relationship, which is touching and not touching. But when a person looks at it in the words of the Arizal, it's implied as two different stages. That a person can chase after a certain form of light, and there will be moments of mati, there will be moments of reaching it, of touching it, and then there will be moments of lo mati, of not touching it. Almost as if to say, I touch it and then I don't touch it. I have it and then I don't have it. I grasp it and then I don't grasp it. As if they can't exist simultaneously. If you grasp it, then there's no concept of being unable to grasp it. And if you're unable to grasp it, there's no concept of grasping it. And it becomes a monolithic, very neat description of what spirituality is. There are times where you can grasp HaKadosh Baruch and there are times where you cannot. But what Rabbi Nachman is saying here, as made clear by Rabbi Nassim, as made clear, as I've heard from numerous people, by the living tzaddikim, in the name of Kennig, in the name of Rav Kluger, in the name of amalo <inaudible> Fligi. that when Rabbi Nachman says that you can grasp this light touching and not touching, grasping and not grasping, it's describing a simultaneous moment that when it comes to grasping the ungraspable light, when it comes to touching a level of certainty that is far beyond what our kalim or our vessels are capable of grasping, it's not a question of grasping it or not grasping it, but rather it's a reality of grasping it and not grasping it at once. That a person comes to recognize that it's only in the moment that I recognize that I cannot grasp the infinitude of a Baruch Hu, the infinite light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. in the moment that I retreat into myself and I surrender, as Rav Soloveitchik would say so often, to the fact that I cannot grasp the infinity in its infinitude, at that moment I contact the infinite by way of my infinite resignation. By not touching it, I touch it. By acknowledging the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is always Lamallah from my holiness, that that no matter how high an individual ascends on the rungs of spirituality, nevertheless, there will be an infinite and infinitesimal gap separating created reality and the infinite creator. It is at the moment that I mind the gap that separates God and reality that I allow for there to be a traversing of that gap, a small, very narrow bridge, a gesher tzar ma'od ma'od, that allows me to cross over that impenetrable and unbridgeable space to touch that which I can never truly touch. And therefore, by way of recognizing that I can never truly grasp Akadush Baruchu Bechvodahu V'Atzmo Chasm Shalom, I come to realize that I have a direct contact with Akadush through emuna, through a strength that is beyond rational logic. So Rabbi Nachman says that there is a light that is above the soul and that the soul can never truly grasp this light, when the mind runs after that light that it can't grasp, we're zocha to grasp it by way of mati velomati. We touch it when we're not touching it. When we acknowledge our limited existence as human beings, with all of the symptoms that are carried with that, the fear, the anxiety, the discomfort, the excitement, the longing, the yearning, the desire, the unsatisfaction, the dissatisfaction, the hope, all of the different factors that comprise the delicate picture of what it means to be a human being, they all exist within that void, that gap, that separates the infinite and the finite. And the only way to bridge that gap is by chasing even though we know we will never arrive. Because when we acknowledge that we can never truly arrive, that in and of itself is a taste of the arrival. And Sr. Ahmad says that the only way to grasp these lofty levels, this ore that is above the nefesh, the ruach, and the neshama, beyond our conscious awareness, it's only by chasing in spite of the fact that we know we will never reach the end when we allow ourselves to settle into the journey with the deep knowledge that we will never trace the true destination. At that point, the destination disseminates itself, it breaks open into a million pieces and forces itself into every step of the journey. So that every step of the journey, which feels like an impossibility, is suffused and infused with the light of the destination. But it's only by way of holding in mind that gap, that mati Valo mati b'vas achas, that noga vaeno noga, that touching and not touching at the same time, that paradoxical space of amuna that exceeds the capacity of human knowledge to grasp anything. And then Rabbi Nachman continues, and Kedarcha she says, but how do you find this? How does a person experience this b'china of mati Valo mati? How can a person settle into this paradoxical space, wherein I'm touching and not touching at the same time, when I mind the fact that I can never truly reach the essence or the infinite? It's specifically there that I behold the infinite within my human condition. How is the person zayichet to such a thing, through simcha, through joy? Not only simcha, but the joy in mitzvos which we described in Torah Hay, that ability to say ze. Here, in this moment, I am engaged in the essential act of my existence, to find presence in what I do. A person wants to know how to taste mati Vlomati, how to draw that infinite and ungraspable light into their grasp and into the finitude of existence. It's only through simcha. It's only when a person is capable of looking at their moment, Of looking where they are in life at that moment and saying, I am here now. Ani kan akhshav. I am here now at this moment, in this moment. And Rabin Achman continues and he says, Where does this simcha come from? And here Rabin Achman is going to introduce us to something remarkable. Now we gave an entire shir on this concept of resha de oisida, the unknowable head, or the head that cannot be grasped, the loftiest level in the shita of the Arizal, that place above all of our human understanding which leaves us wondering, which forces us into the recesses of hope, when we abandoned all knowledge, when we abandoned the capacity of human rationality to grasp anything or anything, It's at that moment that we embrace the deepest level of what HaKadosh Baruch has revealed within this world, something referred to as Reishad Lo Isyada, the unknowable head or the head that can never be truly known. Because anytime a person feels that they have grasped it, they're forced once again to recognize that they haven't quite grasped it yet. It is the ceiling that becomes the floor for the level above it. And in order to introduce fully what Rabbi Nachman is going to say, we're going to make a slight deviation, a slight interruption into the teachings of the Arizal. Now when it comes to the Torah of the Yechidei Hadoros, as Rav Morgenstern has pointed out, Moshe Rabbeinu, Roshimim Bar Yochai, the Arizal, the Baal Shem Tov, and Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, sometimes it's very necessary to understand the Torah of the previous tzaddik in order to understand the Torah of the next Sadiq. But even more than that, sometimes the interruption is part of the process. Sometimes we need to deviate from the proclaimed course of focusing on the Torah of Rabbi Nachman in order to understand, as is so explicit in the writings of Chaim Maharan and everywhere else, that Rabbi Nachman's Torah is not simply yesh min something from nothing, but it's a Torah that is predicated on the history of Kabbalah that preceded it. Not only the writings of the Arizal, but the writings of the Ramah, and the writings of Rashbi and the Zair HaKadosh, and the writings of Chazal. As Rabbi Nachman points out and shows throughout all of his Torahs the complete command of what he's trying to show. The Arizal writes in Eitz Chaim, Sharyud Gimel Perak Bez. In the 13th Shar. I'm sorry, Sharyud Gimel Perak Vav, the 13th Shar, the 6th chapter, that originally when HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world, he wanted to create it with 10 Sviros, as we know. But when we look at the Zohar and Parshas Nayach, we only see 9 Sviros. We see the Sviros of Chachma, Bina, Das, Chesed, Gvura, Teferes, Netzachod, and Without Kesser, and without Malchus. So the question, Rabin Nachman, the question the Arizal is coming to ask is, where is this Malchus? The lowest expression of reality, where is it at the origin of the creation of the world? Where do we find Malchus? Where do we find that impoverishment, that destitution in which human beings exist? Where is that to be found? We don't see it explicitly expressed. And the Arizal, based on the Zohar in and in Bow, Bo, points out that Malchus, the lowest Sphera, the lowest field, the lowest expression of reality, is rooted in the Sphera in the parts of, of Reish's lowest yada, the unknowable head. But because that unknowable head that can never truly be known because of its lofty nature that exceeds human capacity of knowledge, because it can never be known, it doesn't express itself at the beginning. And this unknowability, this fissure, this lack, this moment of concealment that exists at the loftiest point in which the infinite touches the finite, which the human mind can never grasp other than by way of mati vilomati, of touching and not touching at once it eventually expresses itself and manifests itself in Malchus, in our worldly reality, to the point that the doubts that pervade this worldly experience, the anxieties that assault each and every individual, that tell them that what you're worried about might be true, that push us away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that push us away from Tefillah, that forces us to daven in, in a world of Safegh, those Sveikos are not simply problems of existential reality, but rather they are doubts that emerge from the loftiest place referred to as the Sveikos of Reish of the, Lociada, the doubts associated with the unknowable head, which will always remain doubtful by dint of the fact that it is always already beyond the grasp of human consciousness. So Bin Ahman, based on the writings of the Arizal, is working off of the idea that if we want to understand where the source is for our experience in this world, the experience that is cut through with doubt and anxiety and yigiyah and difficulty and all of the different things that go bump in the night, it's rooted in the loftiest place. It's rooted in Reshad L'Osiadah. It's rooted in the unknowability and that doubt that emerges out of the fact that we can never truly grasp it. That mati Valo mati that our only access to this infinite realm is by way of touching and not touching at once, which as a symptom manifests down in our experience as being doubtful as to how things go. So when Rabbi Nachman says, you want to understand how to be zoha, to grasp this light that is above you, this presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that exceeds human consciousness, it's only through simcha. It's only through finding joy in this world. It's only through accepting your circumstances in this world. It's only in serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu with where you are at that present moment, in this world. And here Abin Achman takes us on a journey. He says, you want to know where Malchus is to be found? Because again, we said Malchus is rooted in that lofty place and now Rabbi Nachman is going to take us from the bottom all the way up to the top. Like an elevator that goes from the bottom of the basement all the way to the penthouse. Showing us that you cannot find access to the penthouse unless you enter into the elevator on the bottom floor. Lower than the bottom. He says, you want to know how to find simcha? You want to know how to find the simcha necessary to engage this space of mati velomati?" It's only through being Mala, the Chayus, and the Kedusha within the Klippos themselves in the aspect of the 11 spices of the Katoras, which are the excess of this world. Katoras suffice it to say, is the secret of the sparks of holiness that enliven impurity. The deepest secrets of the Arizal, of the Zohar, of the Torah, Kedusha. Katoras is the question of how to find life and death. How to find light in the depths of darkness. After the mageifa, after the Magefa of the catastrophe and the deaths of thousands and thousands of Jewish people after the assault of Korach and the machlokas of Korach, Moshe Rabbeinu draws down the secret of katoras And Chazal tells us that where does Moshe Rabbeinu learn the secret of katoras from? He found it from the Malach that when Moshe Rabbeinu was ascended on high in order to capture gifts, Chazal tell us that he forced the Malach HaMaves, he forced death itself to offer him its gift, to teach him the secret of how death can also be part and parcel of the expression of A Baruch Hu. How can darkness be a vehicle for light? How can bad be a vehicle for good? And that's the secret of the Keteras. When a person looks at the Kavanos of the Katairas in Shara Kavanos or Prietz Chaim or in Olas Raya, a person understands. When a person looks in the Halachos of Nufilas Apayim that Rabbi Nassim writes in the Kutai Halachos, a person understands what Rabbi Nachman is saying here. That the secret of the Katairas is how a person finds themselves B'jiyotah tahtaina lower than low, lower than they ever imagined themselves finding themselves, stuck in the bottom, and le'v'yaday marath nafshu, each and every person knows what the bottom means for themselves. It's only when we're able to draw out the joy and the highest and the vitality and the intensity and the spirituality that saturates even those lowest places that a person begins to have a sense of what simcha is. Because when a person elevates themselves, when a person forces themselves wherever they are, in the moment that they find themselves, to draw the chayos and the vitality and the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that is found even in the lowest place. We elevate it with simcha. We draw out that light. And then Rabbi Nachman says, what do you do with this light? You bring it into the Bechina, into the aspect of Netzachod and Yasod, the lower parts of our body, the lower parts of our experience the legs of our experience, those things which are habituated and natural and the mundane and banal sense of being alive. That once a person has affirmed the joy that can be found in the joyless places, once a person has confirmed and promised themselves to believe in light even in the dark places, that light ascends, it begins to elevate itself back to its source in Reishad Lois Isyadah back to that unknowable place, back to that place where only Amuna abides, where knowledge is obliterated because it's shattered at its limit, where only a super rational faith exists. We begin to take that feeling of joy of being present in the moment where I am at, and I allow it to enliven my legs. I allow it to let me move a little bit more, to dance in a dark world, or to dance on the abyss, as we said to begin to continue to walk, to push myself forward, in spite of the fact that things remain dark. And then when a person takes that simcha and they allow it to enliven their legs, and that targa of netzachot and yasod, those lower elements of the individual's experience, those parts of ourselves which are habituated and unconscious, when we begin to believe in our unconscious state that it proclaims spirituality as well, that's when we elevate that light of malchus, that chayus, that vitality, that energy that ascends from the depths of darkness into our hands. And the hands, says Rabbi Nachman, are the sorts of blessing. That arim masyadi b'tzlusa, like Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says in Parshas Nayach in the Zohar that this entire teaching is based on the Zoyer of Tesechallan of the Nine Chambers, I raise my hands in joy, which means to say that not only have I awakened myself from the deathly slumber of unconsciousness within the Klippos, within my habituatedness, within my hope, my hopelessness, I have also elevated to my legs. I have also allowed my habituation to express the light of God. And not only that, not only have I allowed myself to look at my unexpressed life, my unconscious expressions, my habituatedness, my walking, not only have I said that Hashem's light is found there, but I have raised it to my hands as well. The hands are the source of blessing. The hands are the source that express that we want to move forwards, upwards, or we want to express downwards. And the light begins to ascend from the legs up to the arms. And Netzachud Yisod begins to engarb itself upon chesed, Ghur and teferes, the body. When a person dances, Rabbi Nachman says they're raising their legs, they're raising their knees up to the middle half of their body. Expressive of the fact that an individual is elevating that tzbrachinkite, that brokenness, that anxiety, that stuckness, back up to a space of bracha, back up to a space of freedom. But that's not enough for Rabbi Nachman. Rabbi Nachman says, based on the Arizal, again, that and when a person elevates this light that ascends, this vitality that can be found even in the darkest places, up through netzachot Yisod of the legs, up to the chagas, the chesed g'vur, the of the arms, then we have to elevate it to the meichen, to consciousness, where a person begins to be mindfully aware of HaKadosh Baruch presence in their life. Where a person begins to think about God. Where a person begins to contemplate God. Not only do I believe God to be found in the darkest of places, not only do I believe God to be found in my habituated unconscious state, not only do I find God in my hands, in the source of blessing and work and engagement in my life, but I elevate it back up to the loftiest place in my Moichin, in my chabad, in my chochma bina and das. And Rabbi Nachman describes this raising of the malchus out of the klipah, Elevating presence of this world out of its constriction, out of its anxiety, out of its meaninglessness. Elevating it into the state of unconscious, back to consciousness, all the way back to the moichen. And this process of moving from below to above is still the same process of simcha. The simcha that Rabbi Nachman tells us is necessary in order to experience the loftiest level that we can ever experience, which is mati v'lo mati v'vasachas. Touching and not touching al-Kadosh at once recognizing the limitation of our knowledge and our consciousness, while at the same point affirming that it is the very limitation of our human experience that gives us access to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This is why the Malachim were incapable of receiving the Torah. They were too good, they were too perfect. It's only the imperfection, it's only our incapacity and our inability and our anxiety and our brokenness that gives us a taste of what the infinite can truly be. And here's where Rabbi Nachman brings us into the biggest secret of this Torah. And again, I apologize for rushing through this, but I'm trying to express the Iker Nakuda in my humble opinion. Then Rabbi Nachman says once a person has elevated the malchus out of the klipa, their sense of experience out of kite into the unconsciousness of the legs, from the unconsciousness of the legs into the activity of the hands, from the activity into the hands of the understanding of the mind, a person needs to draw down into the mind itself habirchen, the inner interiority of what blessing means. And what is that inner interiority? What is that essence? That is emuna. That is the emuna that super rational faith that even transcends consciousness. That is the bechina of Kesser. That if a person wants to truly understand the place of malchus, the root of our experience, we need to move all the way up through Netzachod Yasod, through Chesed Gvur and Tiferes, back up through Chachma Bin and Das, back to Kesser. That Nakuda of Kesser, that Nakuda of Emuna, that place where a person is forced to recognize the limitation of their own selves, that is the source of malchus. Because as Rabbi Nachman describes in this Torah. And explicitly states further in Torah Ravav, which we would have no time to try and teach in an hour, that the Bechina of Keser, if you want to understand the loftiest level in the Seder Ashtalshalis, what does Keser mean? It means Hamtain. Like the Gemara says, what is a Balshuva? It's like somebody who comes to the Shuk and wants to buy in a Farsimon, they want to buy a fruit, they want to taste something good. And the bala Hanvani and the owner says, Hamtein, wait, you have to be patient. And Rabbi Nachman points out, based on Sefer Iov, a sefer that Rabbi Nachman draws so much light out of, specifically out of the darkest places, that kesser leaves the ear, wait for me a little bit. Kesser is the Lashon of Hamtain. That when a person reaches the level of kesser, when a person moves beyond the modes of conscious awareness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu back up to that infinite place, back up to that Reshad Lohas Yada, back up to the level of Kesser. It's not a grasp. There's no essential grasp of anything. There's no ability to say, I've arrived, I've reached it. By Chachma bina and das, a person can understand, or know. By Chesed and Gevur and Teferis, and by the hands, a person can act. By the legs, by netzach Yasod, a person can engage and they can walk. Those are all graspable, measurable things. When it comes to the level of keser, it's wait. Hamtein ad she'ashivena, wait until I answer you. That patience that is demanded of an individual who sits suspended in animation between the question and an answer, willing to move forward even in spite of the lack of an answer, it's that person who has access to the level of keser. It's that person who is forced to acknowledge, as Rabbi Nachman forces us over and over and over again, to understand that he wow. that the apex of wisdom above and beyond the ma'ichen is the recognition that I don't know anything, that my reasoning and my rationality fail; they pale in comparison to the infinitude of a Baruch Hu. And it's specifically when I reach that point of acknowledging the failure of my attempts to grasp God, that I touch HaKadosh Baruch Hu, because I'm forced into Amuna. When rationality collapses upon itself, I'm forced to experience a connection beyond rationality. I'm forced to believe in something without a reason. And it's that amuna, which is the Mida of Malchus, that's stuck in the dirt, that's stuck in the Klippos, that's stuck in all the broken places where we find ourselves. It's specifically that midah of emunah, which is born out of concealment and doubt. As Rabbi Nachman says elsewhere, that there's no need for emunah during the day. It's only at nighttime, that emunah's chabalelos, that a person needs emunah, because it's only in the space of doubts that emunah are necessary. That space of doubtful reality draws a person all the way back up to the highest place, which is keser, which is reshad lo isyida the anxiety of not knowing what goes on at the level of malchus is a symptom of the anxiety and the sveikos that take place at the loftiest expression of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, which remain doubtful, which are the sveikos of Reshad Lois the unknowable head of Reshad Lois which can never be known because of its lofty nature. And Rabbi Nachman says that when the mind hits the keser, it's as if it's hitting a ma'akev, it's hitting that which prevents the mind from moving any further. That ma'akev itself, that prevention of moving any further, forces the mind to retreat back into itself, to retreat back into the acknowledgement that I can never truly know HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and to be suffused with faith. And then that faith gives birth to another attempt to seize hold of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And once again, it's knocked down by the ma'akev that keser that stands preventing my mind from moving beyond itself, from entering into a place which should nullify me completely in my existence. And it's that ma'akev, it's that prevention, says Rabbi Nachman, that is Masadar and miyashiv the mind, that gives birth to thinking. That ma'akev, that, prisa, that spread light that blocks the mind from being capable of experiencing infinitude in and of itself, is what gives birth to the creation of the space for me to actually believe in Akadish Baruch Hu. And this running and returning, this moving forward to try and grasp Hashem, then hitting the limit and being forced back into myself, acknowledging that I can never truly understand HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And then moving forward again, this redifa, this chasing, and then being pushed back by the Ma'akev, in a very architectonic sense, Rabbi Nachman describes that it creates these nine chambers. These nine chambers of those upper nine spheros, which are lacking in Malchus, like we said, based on the Arizal, which are the place which become the receptacles that allow us to draw the light of Amuna into our lives. Which means to say that it is only by way of not reaching HaKadosh Baruch Hu that we create the space in which we can believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If it was possible for us to know HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there would be no room or space to believe in Hashem. HaKadosh Baruch wanted to give us the gift of believing in Him, which is on an even higher level of knowing Him, and therefore He has placed a prevention in our minds, in existence, in our anxieties, which prevent us from moving beyond them, which forces us to double back down into the space of faith. Boy. Before we finish off the teaching of Rabbi Nachman, I, I need a read from Lekuti alachos Lekutti alachos, birchos hodah, osvav, halacha vav. Rabbi Nassen expresses this entire Torah at such remarkable length and expression that it's it, it's almost difficult to believe that such a thing exists in the world of Torah. Not chas because of the Torah, but because of what we think Torah is. If, if a person reads the words of Rabbi Nassen here, it's impossible not to 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 be lit a flame but I'm going to read a very small piece which also highlights everything we've been saying about daika and Pikain, that it's specifically in not knowing HaKadosh Baruch Hu fully that we grasp HaKadosh Baruch Hu through faith. Rabbi Nassin writes as follows in Os Dalid, in the 24th piece, or the 24th point, in this Hilchos Hoda'a Os Vav. Vayiketz And Yaakov awoke from his slumber. Vayomer. And he said, Achines Makom Haz Behold the presence of A Kadashpara who is found here, the Anochi Loyadati, and I didn't know. Rabinasan says the Anochi Loyadati and I didn't know Zebhinas Takla de Deloinoida. When Yaakov Avinu woke up and he said, I didn't know, he wasn't proclaiming a lack of knowledge, he was proclaiming a grasp of a form of knowledge which is expressed by way of negativity. Lo yadati. I have come to understand the level of lo. I've come to understand what it means to have a limit in my mind. Va'anoichi lo yadati, and I didn't know, or I knew the inability to know, this is the aspect of tachlis de deloynodah that the apex of wisdom is coming to the place where I recognize that my wisdom fails in appreciating what I can grasp, which is the Bechina of the Makom, which is what it means to have a place in this world, which is the aspect of Keser, which is the aspect of the Masader and the Miyashiv, which is the aspect of the Ma'akev, as anyone who looks in Torah Haftalad will understand. daika, it's specifically through the inability to know that the Iker hasaga evelokus, that is the essential grasp of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, specifically when a person comes to understand that they can't understand. Al yidei hakaas haredipa When the mind hits the limit and is forced back into itself, acknowledging its failure, acknowledging its necessary retreat, in that surrender itself is born the deep faith which animates human beings. And this is what Yaakov Avinu meant when he says, Ahin yesh Hashem b'makom hazeh. Hashem is <laughs> found here. but loyadati and i merited the level of i didn't know shadaika loyadati specifically by way of not knowing which is the aspect of the maakev that prevention i came to understand aliyade daika hasagti elokuso specifically by not being able to grasp HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I've come to grasp that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is present in my life, specifically through the Ma'akev, which is the Bechina of Miniyas HaYidiyah, the prevention of knowledge, to the point that I need to settle in my mind that the only way to grasp HaKadosh Baruch Hu is through Heder HaYidiyah. zed, daika acherkach, specifically through recognizing the limitation of my knowledge, I come to grasp Heder HaYidiyah, I move from the absence of knowledge to knowledge, which is a b'china of ha-chachmai mm-hmm. timsa, that chachma is born out of the nothingness of keser. To end this Torah, Rabbi Nachman returns back to the Mimer of Chazal. He says, where is the center of the world? Where is that place? Where is a person going to be zolchet to grasp that presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in their lives? that centering agent to all things, that thing that settles all anxiety, the Nukuda Ha'emtsais, that holds everything together, where is it to be found? Heichanhu. Hacha. It's here. It's wherever a person finds themselves. It's wherever a person finds themselves stuck in the klipo, stuck in Ketairas. But how can you get there? Me, Yemar, who says? Ashli. Ashli. Ahman says, <laughs> "Is of simcha." You want to understand how to find the center of the universe, how to find the center of Hakadosh Baruch Hu in your life. Find joy in the fact that you don't know. Find joy in the fact that mi yemar, that you have to find yourself in the world of Temura. That if you find yourself in the world of doubts and concealment and transitions and flips and turns and the hipuch that flips everything, it's specifically there in the lowest point of our experience. The doubts of our experience, when a person is makabel them, they actually touch the essence of amuna, which will always remain amuna because a person can never truly grasp the essence of yudhiya except by way of low yodah. Next week, Ba'ezrus Hashem, we're going to continue with Torah Nun Bez, a Torah about his a Torah about being awake in the heart of darkness, in the middle of the night, and how to transform existential loneliness into the spirituality of solitude, Ba'ezrus Hashem.